You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, I pay a visit to Dysart Farm in Crum County Limerick to talk to dairy farmer John Liston about being a member of the Little Milk Company. Elka O'Mahony is the newly appointed Tourism and Food Skillnet Manager with Ballyhoura Development in the heart of Ballyhoura country and Elka will be revealing details about what that new role involves. And finally, at the end of the programme, Falcha Ireland food champion and lemon tree restaurant chef Chris Malloy has details about Ireland's latest street food festival taking place this weekend in Letterkenny in County Donegal. Before that, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here on the show. You can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So to start us off tonight, we are going to pay a visit to Dysart Farm in Croom in County Limerick, where I met organic farmer John Liston and he told me all about being a member of the Little Milk Company. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. I'm here at Dysart Farm in Croom in County Limerick with John Liston, who has an organic farm, I believe. Uh, that's right, Sharon. We've been organic since um, yeah, 2000. I um, had to think there for a minute. Uh, 17 or 18 years, so uh, that's how long we've been in it. Why did you decide to go organic? Uh, before that, we were looking at various ways of um, cutting out expensive inputs like fertiliser feed, um, antibiotics, etc. And um, a friend of mine was inorganic and I had been in touch with him and uh, uh, it seemed a good idea at the time and uh, that went that way. And it's cows that you're milking, dairy cows? Dairy cows, yeah, uh, with some beef, some beef, not um, uh, predominantly dairy. Now tell us about the herd itself and the type of cows that you have. Uh, the herd um, was originally British Frisian and then I started bringing in uh, Jersey breed uh, about 10 years ago and uh, what I have now is um, uh, a herd comprising of Jersey uh, crossbred animals that um, uh, high in uh, uh, butter fat and protein and yet with the British Frisian in them they, they, they are quite sturdy and uh, hardy and uh, well uh, able to uh, withstand the elements in the winter. And something that's different about your system here that I hadn't really come across before is that you only milk once a day. Uh, that's right. I first milked once a day about 20-odd years ago. Uh, the reason why I did that was um, we had milk quotas at the time. I hadn't such a large quota, but I had a lot of cows, and it was either uh, start drying off the cows in August, September, or uh, milk once a day uh, to... Um, have a longer uh, lactation and uh, it was quite a good management tool at the time and um, we got used to it and the cows got used to it so um, it works well with the Jersey breed and uh, it uh, makes very good cheese and any other dairy products it's it's nutrient dense and um, uh, we're, we're quite happy with it. Cheese is the main part of the business and you're part of the Little Milk Company. Uh, that's right, Sharon. Um, the Little Milk Company comprises 10 organic dairy farmers. We first met about 10 years ago uh, under a Chagas discussion group. And 
we met just to discuss various issues that would affect organic dairy farmers. Um, and the group progressed from that to uh, sh- uh, buying feed uh, in a shared lot. Uh, you know, organic feed can be hard to come by, so we got together to, let's say, buy a, a lorry load of it and share it out amongst ourselves, that sort of thing, even to bring it in from England. Um, and then we progressed to negotiating with organic processors on price and other issues. And then uh, uh, at the time, most of us were supplying Glenesk dairies. And um, uh, Glenesk was one, a very successful business. Uh, they were one of the first processors of organic milk in Ireland. Uh, but a lot of us felt that uh, Glenesk demanded um, uh, winter milk because the yogurt market at that time uh, it took a huge lift in September when children went back to school and mothers were buying healthy eating options and uh, the demand for organic milk was was very uh, the demand for organic yogurts was very big from September to the following springtime but uh, a lot of us who were used to spring calving herds wanted um, wanted to remain that way and uh, provide uh, uh, an alternative uh, market for our milk so we started making cheese and uh, oh sorry we start we, we formed a group and explored uh, various options for use for milk and uh, consultant uh, pointers towards making cheese so about four years ago we um, made our first cheese and it was a cheddar a raw milk cheddar it was produced by Emil Lonergan down in County Waterford uh, it's the little milk company uh, mature cheddar and um, we age some of it and we have a vintage cheddar so uh, that cheese actually we were quite lucky to meet Eamon uh, that he had spare capacity uh, but at the time Eamon was able to make the cheese but he wasn't able to store it for us so um, um, a chap called Sean McLone up in Leitrim Drum Shambo had a warehouse where he ages the cheese for us uh, where he matures it uh, where he packs it, um, cuts it into pre-packs and uh, distributes it to Ireland for us. So um, it was good. Uh, uh, it just shows that you need cooperation in Ireland among small producers. Um, the, the, the farmer should cooperate with the small cheesemaker and, and with the um, people that have warehouses and that can age the cheese for you and all that. So um, it was just, uh, it worked well for us and we... We carried forward that model of cooperation where we work with Cashel, the people that make uh, Cashel Blue. Um, we work with Carrigburn down in Wexford. Um, uh, we've we've made cheese. We're currently making cheese in a dairy gold facility down in Mogili, where it's uh, going mainly to the American market. So uh, we also cooperate. Uh, we make cheese powder, and it's part of. Uh, uh, you might have heard of O'Donnell's uh, cheese and onion crisps. Well, the, we provide the cheese powder for their cheese and onion crisps. They're a Tipperary group, so that's further evidence of cooperating and uh, collaborating with people. There's a huge amount of collaboration going on there from all parts of Ireland. And, I mean, the different brands and the different types of, of cheese within the brand. You're talking about the cheddar there, the mature and the vintage version, the cashel blue. And then you also are very much on trend with a cheese that incorporates beer. That's right, yeah. Further to collaboration, a cheesemaker in County Kilkenny, Helen Finnegan, um, 
uh, a genius at developing new cheeses, uh, developed that cheese for us. And in the early days, she made it uh, until uh, we outgrew her premises. Uh, it's made in Carrigborn now. But uh, Helen developed that cheese and um, is quite popular in Europe, very, very popular in France. It won the overall Best Cheese Award in France uh, two, three years ago, uh, which is quite unusual for a, a foreign cheese to win it, but it was a blind taste competition. And... Uh, that got us great coverage in France and great exposure and uh, it's selling quite well there. I can see as well that some of them have great taste awards and then are these are the international awards, are they from France? That's, that's right, yeah. Um, uh, we've won awards in Nantwich uh, uh, in Ireland um, and, um, you know, it, it gives you the... Those uh, cheese awards give you the option of being put before a judging panel and it gives you exposure to buyers, uh, the cheesemongers and um, supermarkets. So it, it's good to give a, get you introduced to these potential buyers. So exporting is a huge side of the business for you all? It is, yeah. Uh, exporting is, is uh, at this stage now we export uh, way more than we sell in the home market. Um, France, Germany and increasingly the US are our biggest markets but um, we're also exporting to um, Australia, uh, Hong Kong, Macau, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan, uh, the Dubai, Qatar and uh, I think just last week we were forced load, albeit small, went to Mexico City so um, it's um, it's uh, it's quite successful in that way, and we're quite happy with it. You know, the, the, the trend seems to be um, uh, when you're starting off, the speciality cheese uh, mongers and uh, speciality shops uh, shops will pick you up and sell it, and uh, that comes to the notice of the supermarkets, so um, that you're selling well there. So it gives you an introduction to them. You know, so that's seems to be the business model that's working for us. I think you're being very modest when you say it's quite successful when you list off that very impressive list of export markets that it's going to. It's it's a fairly ubiquitous brand all over the world. Um, yes, uh, um, I suppose in the early days when you first, I remember being at Bloom and um, our first day there we sold a thousand euros worth of cheese. I think we thought we had it, we had it made, you know, but... Uh, um, our first year we sold 40,000 euros worth of cheese, uh, whereas I think last year we sold almost a million and a half euros wow, worth of cheese. That's, so, uh, that's fantastic. It is for a small group of farmers, it is, yeah. It's a yeah. real success story in the farming industry in Ireland. Well, I, I suppose it still goes back to uh, cooperation, collaboration. As a group of farmers, um, we employ the manager, uh, Conor Mulhall, um, who had no previous experience of cheese or any or dairy or or anything agricultural? He came from uh, Dublin City, but um, he believed in our brand and um, he's made a, a fantastic uh, job of selling us and exposing us to um, the markets abroad. and uh, And as part of that long term cooperation, Connor is um, a shareholder in the cheese company and uh, as we as we grow, he grows obviously and as he grows, we grow, you know, so uh, it's a long-term thing we look at. And here in Dysart Farm there actually is a lot of history associated with cheese making. Um, at a, a site uh, next to the farm, 
uh, contiguous to the farm was, and I, back in the old days, the farm would have been part of that. Uh, there is a, an early Christian monastery, uh, Dice of Angus, um, Hermitage of Angus. Uh, Angus was uh, an early Christian uh, monk and saint, uh, an order called the Cayley Day, who had... Uh, who were in existence in England, Northumbria, Scotland, Iceland, and um, possibly Greenland. And uh, they brought knowledge with the Latin language. They were able to bring knowledge of technologies from Europe to the area. They brought the art of cheese making. They brought your kitchen garden, herb growing. They brought your brewing, as far as I know. They, they brought um, uh, the art of making uh, mortar with lime, the use of lime in buildings. Um, all that remains now, the, 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 the settlement is a round tower, um, two thirds of it still uh, existing, and uh, an, an old church. Uh, and uh, UOPW are currently working on conserving it and are making a fantastic job. But um, um, uh, Angus was one of the first, uh, what shall I say, people in history to, to use the Irish language in the written form. and. His manuscripts still survive today, um, and those surviving man manuscripts are the earliest evidence of the written Irish language. So um, the subject matter were lives of the saints and all that, but uh, every so often you would get notes pertaining to the area, the district, and he describes the local landscape as uh, open woodland, so that gives you one of the first earliest descriptions of the area. Yeah, and it is a beautiful area. And I want to ask you as well about the raw milk, because this is something that I've only come across recently, that you sell raw milk, and it's very nice in coffee, I have to say, with made, used to make flat whites and lattes. And there has been a there was a campaign in Ireland, the raw milk campaign. Just explain what that was. Um, raw, um, uh, my first exposure to, to people buying raw milk was... Um, when people found out I was organic, um, and especially um, uh, parents that had children with eczema or something like that, uh, they, they, they found that raw milk, especially organic raw milk, was very good for that. Uh, eczema, uh, even aut autistic children, um, the raw milk was very good for di their digestive system, and uh, um, it... Uh, that's how I started selling raw milk to due to demand from people like that. And uh, because uh, when we're buying our milk in the supermarket, it's pasteurized. It's pasteurized, and not only is it pasteurized, it's homogenized. And from what people say, experts say, the the homogenization, where the fats are broken up, has reduced the um, what should I say, the potential of the milk. You know, so uh, homogenization came about because. Um, the consumer uh, didn't like the cream rising to the top and had the perception that the milk was gone off or something like that. So homo uh, homogenization came in so that the milk is uniform all the time. God, I loved getting the, the cream off the top whenever it came in the glass bottles all those years ago. Yes, that's, uh, you know, people tell me now that they... they, they they love the cream going to the top and that's the first thing they put in their porridge. In yeah, the absolutely, absolutely. Do you see that side of the business developing? It, it's a slow one. Um, it can be contentious. Um, and you can see why with 
TB scares, uh, you know, going back to the 1940s and 50s when you had TB in Ireland. Uh, uh, it's it's And you can see the reason why the industry has to have pasteurisation for our exports and all that. You can't afford any outbreaks of disease or anything like that. But the modern-day farm where the cows are milked and the milk is down to, let's say, under 4 degrees within an hour of milking, is quite a development from, let's say, 20 years ago when milk had to be cooled with various systems, water, what God knows what, before it was transpar- transported three or four miles to a creamery, you know. So uh, you can understand the need for um, pasteurisation in those days. Like, the flavour of it, I find, like, there's not really much difference between the flavour of raw milk and pasteurised milk, but the raw milk is obviously better for you. Um uh, it um, you what shall I say? What you lose with the homogenization, and even slightly with the pasteurization, it's uh, it's it's there in the, the the raw milk. You know, it's it's um, it's you know for chefs seem to be, seem to believe that you get a better uh, what shall I say product using raw milk. Uh, if you speak to people that have been holidays in France and Spain and Germany and um, they've been eating dairy products over there, you know, and they love the cheeses over there, and you'll find eventually that they, they were raw milk cheeses, you know. So they, they're they much more ahead of us on the continent as regards the use of raw milk. And are these made, are your cheeses made with raw milk? Our cheddars are made with raw milk. Our mature cheddar and our vintage cheddar are made with raw milk. Um, raw milk... Um, with those when they're aged more than 60 days the salts and the enzymes kill any potential bugs so that's uh, most uh, any raw milk cheese in Ireland are usually uh, cheddars Uh, there's very few soft cheeses made uh, with raw milk in Ireland because um, they're usually a very short shelf life and um, now there is some, and it's it's growing in popularity, but uh, it's still at very early days yet for using raw milk in soft cheeses. Do you have any cheeses in development at the moment that you can tell us about? Any new flavours? We have a cream cheese. Um, uh, we had it on the market uh, two or three years ago, and we'll be bringing it f- uh, forward again. It's a cream cheese with pesto and uh, uh, cream cheese with uh, sweet chilli peppers. Uh, so hopefully that'll be in the market at Christmas. Oh, wow. Look forward to that. have to keep an eye out for that. Congratulations on your success to date. All wonderful products. I've um, tasted many of them over the years, and I look forward to continuing to enjoy them. And thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Sharon. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie, voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, and just before the break, I was visiting Dysart Farm in Croom in County Limerick to talk to John Liston about his organic dairy farm and his involvement in the Little Milk Company. And what an absolutely fantastic example of collaboration covering all the corners of Ireland, a turnover of 1.5 million euros, a really super achievement, and it's great to hear success stories like that. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West 
Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes. And it's also available to hear on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. And still to come tonight, we'll be finding out about Ireland's latest street food festival, the Off the Street Food Fest LK, which takes place in Letterkenny in County Donegal this weekend. Now, my next guest is in County Limerick, but we're moving to the east side of Limerick and to North Cork. Ballyhoura country is well known for its fantastic mountain bike trails, but it's also causing quite a stir thanks to high quality food producers like Ballyhoura mushrooms, Ballinwillen Farm, wild boar and venison, and we mustn't forget Ballyhoura apple juice. The area has recently appointed a tourism and food skill net manager and Alka O'Mahony joins us now to explain the role in more detail. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Alka, congratulations on the new role with Ballyhoura Development. You must tell us, first of all, where exactly is Ballyhoura? Ballyhoura is actually a pretty big area. It goes from North Cork, uh, Buttervent upwards, to East Limerick. And just before Limerick, actually, it ends. So it, it also goes very much up into onto the top of our uh, Tipperary. So um, it's a really big area and I'm still finding my way around, to be honest. It is a beautiful area and it's probably best known for its fantastic mountain bike trails. Absolutely. And to be honest, I think they have really captured what the mountains are actually about, you know. Um, it's really for people who like the fresh air, who like really unspoiled landscapes and who just really want to see what it all is all about. You know, you, when you go into a city or something, you see the same old, same old, but go out into the countryside and Balahara really has the most amazing landscape that people can think. Not the seaside, but the mountains make way up for it. In the mountains then, there is one particularly well-known company there that does mushrooms. Oh yes, they are. Um, and they have kind of, you know, it's it's actually very, very difficult for them at the moment, I think, because they are called Balahara mushrooms. But Obviously, if you're in the same area and you produce mushrooms as well, how do you call it? And, you know, mushrooms off the Ballyhara or, you know, so it's, it's kind of difficult. They have a lot of problems at the moment with uh, um, getting kind of people off their name, you know. But, yeah, there is, they're very well known and restaurants love their products. But, you know, it's not only about them. There are so many other wonderful producers here, you know, cheese producers. And, and we have, for example, Bellahara apples, you know, and Morris Gilbert there. He's doing amazing apple juices, you know, and, and there's so many more people here that are kind of tipping away very quietly. Um, and I think one of the challenges that food, especially food producers have here in the area is how to get out there, how to get known and how to get people to actually recognize their brand as well. And I think this is where one of the big challenges is. And this is where I hopefully come in. 
Well, before we talk in more detail about yeah. your new role, just to go back to Morris Gilbert there and Ballyhara Apple yeah. Farm, because I think his story is a very interesting story about how he was very in the construction much, yeah. industry and obviously the recession came along and that kind of suffered and then he had an orchard and he transplanted yeah. the orchard from, from one place in Churchtown to where you are today in Kilfinnan. Yeah, yeah. And it worked amazingly well and he has he has like a little uh, unit well it's not a unit he's a little kind of um, a food village going on there mm-hmm. in Kilfinnan yes he has uh, to be honest Morris is one of these people um, there is a problem go and fix it you know and uh, I met him and I've, I've heard him talk as well on the subject he is just one of these people he doesn't get worked down you know if there's a challenge he takes it and he has taken something as simple as apple juice and made it into something that people travel for to actually get. I remember I go to Mahan Point Farmer's Market on a Thursday to get the apple juice, you know, of his, on, on most festivals as well. And he is so unique in his whole approach. He, uh, he doesn't shout about it, but he is there. He, 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 he gets his voice heard. And it's a beautiful product. And he doesn't just do the apple juice. He does now kind of uh, mixes of beetroot and apple. Or he does a wonderful, and, and you, you will know that, Sharon, uh, uh, for Christmas he does this wonderful mulled apple juice. And, oh, my God, that is just amazing. And, uh, um, and yes, and he, he kind of, he grows. You know, he, he knows he can't just rely on one particular product. So once a month... He is doing uh, the food village here, and I haven't been in yet, so uh, uh, I did call him and I wanted to meet him, but he, he, he wasn't available. So um, I think it's the first Friday of a month that he opens the food village, and uh, local producers can come in as well. So, And what he wants is he wants people to actually come and meet the producers, and I think this is really missing when you go to a supermarket. You know, You don't know where the food comes from, you don't know the story behind it. But if you meet the people who actually make the food, you hear all this and it gives you a better connection to whatever you eat or drink, you know, and I think that's that's very important. And one other fantastic producer that we must mention that's based in Ballyhara country is Ballinwillen House and Farm in Mitchellstown. Yes, yes. I haven't been with them yet either, uh, but they are on my list of people to contact and meet and so on. Um, we have wonderful restaurants here. There are wonderful hotels and B&Bs and, and breweries. Don't forget, we have JJ's. We have a Degrees Brewery in Mitchellstown, you know. And um, and they are kind of working away and they're doing a mark for themselves and they're getting the product out there and it's high quality product, you know. So it's not just uh, um, uh, Mary Murphy with her apple pie. There's really loads of people around that are growing slowly and, and, and quietly and they do their thing. And I hope to meet all of them, you know, to kind of really see how I can help them and how we can really push this all forward and to actually really promote through that the whole Barahara area, you know, to not just simply say um, this particular one or this particular one, but it's the entire area that we want to promote and get out there, attract people to the area as well. And you, as you mentioned already, you can go 
onto the mountain uh, bike trail. But there's so much more here, so much more. You're going to be a very busy lady, I'd say, in this role as Tourism and Food Skill Net Manager because you do have so many wonderful businesses there. So tell us, what what are the, the objectives of your role? What are your plans? Okay, I have two... There are two areas, basically, that I need to concentrate on. One is obviously seeing how I can help people with, with training. So if, for example, a B&B likes to learn more about how to get on review sites or how to uh, promote their business here and abroad, um, then also for food producers, I think one of the challenges most food producers have is how do I actually uh, calculate a price for my product? You know, How do I get my margins right? So if, if there's any need for that, I'd be there to actually put this together for the business and says, okay, look, you have, if you don't know how to calculate your price, I have here a financial expert. We sit together, we get it done, and you will be better off in the end. So because what, what I find is uh, most producers, and this could be also crafters, for example, we have wonderful craft people here, potterers and so on, they feed into the tourism area because people can come and visit them most of the time and so on, you know, and, and travelers looking for this, you know, tourists, they want to look for, for these things. And if, and I find sometimes that these small artisan producers, they're sometimes embarrassed to charge the proper price for their products, but then they work for almost nothing and then need to really see, Christ, how do I survive? And this is where I can come in and say, look, I can actually put you together with somebody who can explain marginally how, how you calculate your profitability and, and so on and so on. So this is where I come in. I will try to get people together with the right people to learn from them. And in terms of those courses, and how do people find out about them and sign up to them? Um, there are there will be also different ways. Uh, the easiest at the moment is because I'm still in the process of setting everything up is emailing me or giving me a call and and I can then discuss things with them that they what they need or where they say, "Look, I can't afford this, but I would need this." And then if we can get enough people together, it will be affordable for everybody, you know. So um, if somebody wants to contact me, my email address is eomahani, and this is omahani with an e y at the end at bellahora.org and if so any email I will I reply to every email I get and my phone number is 087 316 Are the details on the Ballyhora development website as well? The website is getting updated as we speak um, and hopefully it will be up in the next week or so. There will also be then a booking link so that people can book online rather than getting uh, uh, there. So everything will hopefully be automated online. But as I said, at the moment, people are working on this and they have all the information they need. It's just now a question of implementing it and so on. Um, the whole Bellahora, uh, development dot. Uh, org website is being redeveloped and it will be much more interactive for everybody so even for tourists looking for information on what to do in the area all this will be on there and it will be very interactive and people can book things and and buy products and so on from that website so hopefully it will be up soon uh, i had a meeting last week and uh, they're working really really hard on the website Excellent. Now, before we go, I want to find out a bit more about you because you have a very strong background <laughs> in food. So, you know, they're very lucky to have you in Ballyhara. I hope. 
hope so. And, and I think that's one, my background is one of the reasons I got uh, uh, asked to do the project. Um, it's, I am a food writer with the Cork Independent in Cork. I do uh, organize lots of food events. So for people who like to learn more about food, so I do farm walks and I do, and I have an event series called The Critics, where I let people really be a critic for the night. You know, they get a set menu in a restaurant and they have to judge the food based on presentation and, and, and taste and so on and also the service so they really can um, rather than going on to uh, um, TripAdvisor you know and, and slating that they can actually do that there they can give the chef feedback and I do a summary of that and give it to the chef and sometimes and so far I've always noticed that chefs do want feedback you know even if it's bad feedback but they want it straight you know they want don't go uh, be anonymous do it there and um, the people meet the chef then as well and they can ask questions, you know, how do you do this? And it's a very successful series. Um, and then I do lots of other little things as well. I'm a cheesemaker. <laughs> I'm a qualified cheesemaker. I haven't made cheese now in a long time. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – and like you, in Cork, I have a food show. But we're on a break at the moment. So, um, so yeah, it's I'm, I'm very much like you as well because you have you are so busy as well doing all food related things, and I think we we are just sisters separated at birth. Or I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right, and I think people will also be saying that, like myself, you don't have a Southern Irish accent. <laughs> no, my mum is from Germany and my dad is from, from England and I have an accent in both languages, unfortunately. <laughs> and when did you come to Ireland? Um, my husband. I'm, I have, I'm married to the most wonderful Irish man you can imagine. <laughs> like myself. You see. And, and we have, I'm very happy to be here. No, it's, to be honest, I have to admit Ireland is a place that I feel at home. And, and I have wonderful friends and wonderful neighbors as well. And where else would you have so many amazing people doing wonderful things, you know, and I'm not just talking about the food uh, producers, which I absolutely love and adore, but the farmers, look at the farmers, you know, you really still have the, 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 the rule and the, the, the wonderful way of cows being outside. I open my windows in the morning, my bedroom windows in the morning, and I see a herd of cows in front of me. You know, where else would I have that? And they are out and they are out on the green grass, you know, and you know they are well fed and they are well uh, cared for. You know, so when I drink their milk, I know, my God, this is actually proper milk, you know, and, and, and uh, they're not stuck into a shed where they can't move around, you know. So I think Ireland is very, very unique in, in that regard. The green stamp is really everywhere, you know, and... And I love that, yeah. And the people are just amazing, aren't they? <laughs> I absolutely. And I have to say, I have to agree with what you're saying there about the green spaces and, you know, yeah. the cows and the nature and everything. And I think it's something that a lot of us do take for granted. We just think that everybody in the world or in most parts true. of the world have that. True. And that so we can true. we yeah. can go to the coast any day of the week and you can be there in a couple of hours. At absolutely, yeah. I mean, I live in the middle of the countryside, but it takes me an hour to be in West Cork on the beach you know and and I tangle my hands and it's the Atlantic I mean come on who can say I tuck my feet into the Atlantic <laughs> you know and just driving an hour to do that so no it's 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 a wonderful country and um and it's also it's a great place to be I think you know it's where else in the world would you stay at the bus stop and start starting a conversation with a complete stranger you know and you end up 
sharing almost uh, family history with each other, you know. And it only starts with, isn't the weather beautiful or awful? You know, where else in the world would you have that? Yeah, I think some people that are non-Irish do find it a bit bizarre that we can have such <laughs> lengthy conversations about the weather. Absolutely. But it's I have started friendships with that sentence, you know, so it's just uh, and you couldn't do that anywhere else. You couldn't do that anywhere else. In the time since you've moved to Ireland, what sort of improvements have you seen on the food scene? I have seen people being more brave in actually coming out and doing things. Um, I have seen people really putting their own stamp on things. So, for, and especially in the cheese making, because uh, I love cheese. And at the start, when I came and I went to the supermarket, I said, "Oh my God, what are you doing with me? Giving me this processed rubbish, really, you know?" And then I obviously discovered the English market, and then obviously the the wonderful cheeses from Veronica Steele and 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 from and Gina Ferguson and so on, and also oh my God! But since then, you know, these were the forerunners of the artisan food scene and Sally Barnes with uh, the Woodcock Smokery and so on. These were the first people crazy enough to do things, you know, and and they were only built out of necessity because. Uh, uh, Veronica had two kids at home and uh, her husband had the dairy farm, so she started making cheese. And it was more successful than, than selling the milk, you know. And then uh, Gina had her, her, her same thing, you know, had a, had a pig farm and, 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 a cow, and a dairy farm and the milk, she added value to it. And then uh, her son started now doing a, a charcuterie from the pork. And it's all from the same farm, you know. Then Sally married to a fisherman. She was bored at home. She smoked the fish, you know. So they, they started. But now they leveled the way for other food producers to come up and say, hey, I have this idea and let's do it. And thanks God the government has actually recognized it and actually is giving support now. I remember about 15 years ago, it was almost impossible to get your home kitchen approved. You know, now actually the HSE is actually now working with the people to say, okay, if you change this, you can do it at home. You know, so it's not kind of that they want to make it difficult, they actually want to help now. When I got approved for cheese making, our inspector was amazing. He really was, and and uh, uh, Mark Hennessy, great guy, um, and he said, before we started putting money into it, he said, look, if you do this and this, you will be definitely be a proof. If you do this and this, it will be more difficult. He was very proactive in helping us to get set up. And this has changed over the last couple of years amazingly. The government has discovered that there is so much potential there. Let's support it. And this has changed. And I'm amazed. I'm, I'm really, really happy to see that. And this actually gives some people the, the, the courage to actually go out and say, hey, I have this product and I think it's awesome. What do you think? and wonderful. And I think it's great as well that the health inspector officer people realise that it's important to collaborate with small producers because collaboration is just so important, whether it's producer, producer, producer to producer or chef to producer or the government with the producers. I mean, we really can get so much more done if we work together. Exactly. And this is really wonderful to see, because as I said at the start, everybody was afraid of the HSE inspector, of the Department of Agriculture inspector. They were so, so, so afraid when they came. And now it's 
as you said, it's working together to get things solved, you know, and this is really uh, one of the better things that I've ever seen happening. But also is the people taking these on. They're not looking just for the cheapest thing anymore. They're looking for the best, you know, and uh, so the taste and the flavor of people has changed. People traveling more, so they want all the things that they have aboard here at home as well. And this is where people like, for example, Fingal Ferguson comes in with his charcuterie, you know, with his homemade salamis and, and, and so on. And, and this is wonderful to see that people say, oh, Christ, we don't have to go or import things from France or Italy. We can, we have wonderful pork here. Let's do this here. And it's happening, you know. And, and uh, uh, organizations like the BIM, uh, you know, they're doing amazing work in, in getting people to add value to a fisherman, for example, now can also uh, 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 do something. For, they don't just have to sell the, the, the product. They can make a product and add value to it then as well. And this is, I think, where farmers come in as well. The, the, the farmers have so much potential to add value to their income that I think, tack into that. Let's see what you can do. And, and uh, um, there is still so much potential there for people to add to their, to their offerings that they don't see at the moment. But I think there, there will in the future. There is a lot happening. And I'm, I'm really happy to be in the midst of it here in the Balahara area and hoping to help all these people to get to really see their whole potential and actually follow their dream and getting things done. And uh, it's an exciting time. You mentioned there about people being prepared to pay a little bit more to mm. eat well. And I've started doing food tours in Newcastle West. And the last I one I did... Too. Somebody said to me, oh, you know, it costs a lot of money to eat well and eat healthily. And I said, no, it doesn't, actually. You just need to be more sensible. You need to plan and plan your meals and whatnot, and you'll reap the benefits of it. I totally agree there, Sharon. I absolutely agree. Uh, Loads of people say the same thing to me as well. Oh, but it's so expensive. I think it's more expensive to fill yourself with additives and any enhancers that are in the food now and flavor enhancers and whatever there is long term it's more expensive because you've uh, uh, and I, I i see that actually especially in children now when i was a child and and, and i none of my friends had allergies my mom didn't have to be careful to add flour to anything or, or, or anything else. She didn't have to be careful of that simply because nobody had an allergy. Now you have to get a whole medical history sometimes to see if you can offer them food, you know. And, and I think this comes from all the process stuff that, and I blame the 80s really because the 80s were, you know, where all the the uh, uh, processed uh, uh, um, procedures came in place into factories and so on. And suddenly it was, you could make a bread in 20 minutes, you know, but obviously you think yourself, if you make a bread in 20 minutes, what has to give? And in this particular case, uh, uh, um, there is five times the amount of yeast, first of all, in a bread. Then they have all these enhancers in there. I, when I grew up, bread turned hard if you didn't eat it. Now it turns moldy. Bread shouldn't turn moldy. You know, it's it's all the crap that is in there. And and obviously that's kind of, if I feed that to a child whose body is still in the progress of, of, of developing and the immune system working hard to, to fight anything, and it gets then bucked down with this rubbish, obviously something, this is in the end more expensive than actually, hey, 
I'm actually spending a tiny bit more money on, on bread now, but it will fill me more, first of all, because it, it has the whole uh, uh, benefits of the grain still in and hasn't been bleached to, to next to nothing. It, it fills me up more. So I have only one slice of bread rather than two or three, you know. So this is how you think. And as you said, Sharon, planning ahead, not just going into a supermarket and see, oh, yeah, okay, I take a frozen pizza for today and I don't know what I eat. No, it's if you actually sit down and, uh, to be honest, my mom used to do that. She cal- calculated what she, so if she bought a ham uh, uh, on a, for uh, Sunday lunch on a, on a Sunday, we had sandwiches the next day based on whatever is left over, you know. So she calculated what can she get out of that particular ham. And that is that is gone. You know, we don't check anymore how we can avoid food waste. And, and let's face it, 30% of uh, food bought in supermarkets is wasted in the end. You know, and this is where actually the, the cost factor comes in as well. You save all that when you actually buy proper food and eat it, actually, you know. Absolutely. Well, you're very lucky to be working in an area that is blessed with so many fantastic food producers. Congratulations again on the Thank new so role much. and best of luck with it. Sharon, thanks a million and love your show, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, we were talking to Elka O'Mahony in the heart of Ballyhoura country about the Tourism and Food Skill Net initiative. And earlier in the show, I was at Dysart Farm in Croom, County Limerick to meet organic dairy farmer John Liston and find out about the success of the Little Milk Company of which he is a member. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com. It's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now the last part of the show tonight is taking us to the very north of the country to the beautiful Donegal. It's home to Ireland's latest street food festival and on the line now to tell us more about it and the blossoming food in Donegal, it's Vulture Ireland food champion and lemon tree restaurant chef Chris Malloy. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Chris, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. And I have to say, Donegal is really coming to the fore now on the food scene. It is, Sharon. It's, it's, it's very exciting now up here. Food is, um, at the minute, there's so much going on. I just got um, a calendar of events uh, sent to me there by the Donegal Food Coast which is just a, a booklet with like over 10 different events that's going on and has gone on already. And there's so much coming up now in the next couple of months too. So it's exciting. It's exciting. The food scene up here now is exciting. And this weekend on the 29th of July, that's Saturday, and then on Sunday the 30th of July, you have the Off the Street Food Festival in Letterkenny. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a new street food festival that um, myself and Derek Walker is doing. He runs the Letterkenny Artisan Market, and we just kind of came together last year and says, "Let's talk. About, let's talk about a food festival in Letterkenny." So yeah, it's happening now this this weekend, the 29th and 30th of July. We've got loads going on, Sharon. So we have, we've got like, we're, we've got a mix of food demos, cookery demos, uh, music, and this year we're well for the first time we're doing like producers on stage talking about what they do as well, you know. 
you're from Letterkenny yourself and you're a Fulch Ireland food champion. So is that part of your remit in that role to host events in your native town? Yeah, host events, promote events and just try to get Donegal food on the map, really. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I'm working towards. Just because I, I feel that we've got so much good producers up here. There's so much going on up here as well now with, with food. And I just want Donegal to get the rec- recognition for our food that it deserves. We get loads of praise for like our our amazing beaches, which is which is true. But uh, the food just doesn't seem to get the same recognition. So that's what I want to do. Just put the food on the map, suppose. You're going to have lots of help there now because there are so many chefs that have come out of Donegal who are very well known, such as Gary O'Hanlon there in Viewmont House and um, Kieran Sweeney. He's coming up to you for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary's a good guy. He's he's been a He's been a great ambassador for Donegal, so he has. He's doing amazing things as well down in Longford, so fair play to him to um, give me the plug to come on with you today, I suppose, or tonight. So, um, yeah, Kieran Sweeney's coming up from Forest and Marcy in Dublin. He's coming up on the Sunday to the festival. We've got uh, Kieran Dewey, the World Chowder Champion. He's going to be doing a demonstration on the Saturday. We've got Zach Gallagher from the Irish Food Tours. Um We've got music then by Up and Coming, Donegal, singer-songwriter Oshin Nee, Dean Maywood, Callum Keevney. And then we've got producer stories from the Haven Smokehouse. Derek himself, he he does uh, organic wheatgrass. So he's going to be doing a talk as well about his wheatgrass. And we've got John from Ballyholy Farm doing a food talk. So we've got loads going on, Sharon, so we have... Where did you get the inspiration to have an event of this nature? Um, outside of my work here in the elementary, I always, like at the market, Derek's market, the Letterkenny Artisan Market, I would do like, you know, the very odd weekend, I'd be doing cookery demonstrations up at the market, showing the, showing the customers at the market what they can do with the produce available in the market. And then last Christmas, we had a, a massive Christmas market with the street food, cookery demos, music. So we're like, it, it, got, it got massive crowds. So that's why we kind of like wanted to do something in the summer, you know. You mentioned the Lemon Tree restaurant there. That's your family restaurant. Yeah, the Lemon Tree restaurant's a family restaurant. It's um, me, my two brothers in the kitchen and my two sisters out the front. We've been, um, we've been open for 18 years. And just there recently in the last three months, we've, We've moved from our old location on the lower Main Street in Letterkenny, and now we're behind the Courtyard Shopping Centre. It's just a two-minute walk, so it is from the old place, but we went from a 37-seater to a 60-seater. So it's uh, more numbers, um, so it is bigger and more comfort as well for the customers, you know what I mean? Growing up in a family business like that, was, was the inspiration your parents or your grandparents? When the restaurant opened, um, I was 13, so just uh in doing the dishes jar and to be honest there was no real like food inspiration at that stage but i grew up then in the restaurant and that's where my food love really came from you know what i mean i went to kelly bags meeting other chefs and i got inspiration then as you get older the more you get into it and the more you the more it becomes a hobby and a passion rather than a job as well you know what i mean tell us a bit about the sort of food that you're serving there in the restaurant the food we go for is like we source everything as much as we can from donegal first of all and then then ireland if we don't get it in donegal so the food is simple it's tasty it's local it's in season and 
and it's just so some of it's everyday food but cook cooked really well you know what i mean um at the minute there we've got a dish on with noon's farm chickens from clomani but we serve that with bacon barley and cabbage you know what i mean so it's it's very Irish, but it's very simple, but it's very tasty. <laughs> and that's that's what we try to do here. Like We don't overcomplicate things. We just cook them really simply. And to, we've been doing that for 18 years, and the customers seem to like it. So why change what's not broken, I suppose? Absolutely. And in terms of the most popular dishes, that's a special that you're talking about there. So that's on occasionally. What would be the staples that are on the menu that the customers really love and go for time and time again? Uh, yeah, we've got the Mulroy Bay mussels. Mulroy Bay mussels with Valley Holy Leeks and Irish cider. That would be just a starter on there at the minute now, and that just flies out the door because the mussels are so good. And the Mulroy Bay mussels have just won a big award as well there down in the, at the Galway Sea Fest. So they got Aquaculture Company of the Year. So that was massive for them. And this just goes to show the amount of Donegal producers that are now getting known outside of Donegal as well as massive in Donegal, you know what I mean? Another dish would be the Haven Smokehouse Turf Smoked Salmon. And we serve that with, uh, again, just the Ballyholy beetroots. We're getting different varieties of beetroots from them. And we're just serving that simply, just blowtorts to salmon with some smoked salmon mousse and then just different varieties of beetroot on it. Simple food, but tasty, you know. Declan from the Haven Smokehouse was one of the the people and businesses featured on the Perennial Plate website there that Daniel and Mira do. And did you find that after that video went out, because the coverage that those videos get worldwide is absolutely phenomenal, did you find that that really increased the profile of that particular product and you got more people coming into the restaurant and asking about it? I, that was a, that smoked salmon dish that we have is a really good um, seller anyway. But once them videos went out, it was a brilliant video, wasn't it? It was fantastic, but, uh, A yeah. lot of the customers were would be talking to, like, the girls saying, oh, we've seen the video, it was amazing, like, you know, because it highlighted Donegal as well so, so brilliantly. And it's just... It's just good to see everyone doing so well up here. In your role as a Fulcher Ireland food champion, then you're getting to spread the message to the whole of Ireland and beyond about the Donegal side of food as well as the Irish side of food. What sort of projects and initiatives have you been involved in with other food champions? Have you travelled around Ireland and gone to different parts of the country to spend time with them in their own neck of the woods? Yeah, I was. we, we always meet up maybe two or three times a year. Um, the most recent one was down there in Limerick. That's when I met you, Sharon, down there, at, uh, down with Tom Flavin and the Strand Hotel. They had a big event down there for the Pig Series, Pig Town Series, where they had a big, massive, long table and pig on the barbecue and stuff like it was a great day yeah that was a great event wasn't it and we're really looking forward to that series of events in september and october this year the the festival in donegal then so it's this weekend in letter county if people want to get more details where should they go yeah they, they can check out the uh, website it's off the street and um, then we're on twitter and facebook the twitter handle is at lk foodfest and the Facebook then is just off the street LK. 
That's fantastic, Chris. Listen, all the best with it this weekend. I will be up in Donegal myself in the middle of August, heading to the Carrigart direction myself and looking forward to that very much. And I'm sure this weekend will be a fantastic series of events. And do keep us posted now with all the other food happenings up in Donegal. Uh, yeah, the month after is a, a taste of Donegal. It's in Donegal town as well. So it's a massive um, food festival up there. Um, so that's happening on the Friday the 25th of August until the 27th of August. So that's another massive food event up here. So we're at that as well with the street food. We do the street food, um, our house street food. So we're going to be at the Donegal Town Food Festival as well. So, yeah, it's all exciting. So it is. It's all happening up in Donegal. Brilliant. Great to see it. And thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Sharon. Cheers. Take care. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. That brings us to the end of tonight's Best Possible Taste. Thanks for listening and to my guests for talking to me, John Liston, Elka O'Mahony and Chris Malloy. Until next week, take care and bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon Appetit.